Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. My name is Doris Corda. In this season, I discuss the core principles of my educational philosophy with Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker, my co-teachers from Hawkins School's Entrepreneurial Studies program. It's not about what you teach. It's about what they learn. In this episode, Doris explains strategies for bringing real-world learning into the classroom without the use of guest speakers. She decries the use of trickery or external motivation to get students engaged in their own learning and highlights the value of working on urgent business problems as a way to master skill. You talk all the time about the importance of using real business problems, real problems. Real problems, right? And I'm curious if you can dive into that a little bit more. Oh, okay. That's, that's great. Yeah. So the easy thing to understand is that when you use real problems whether it's um you know a history class a science class a technology coding class or an entrepreneurship class um when students are working on something real uh it's relevant and uh you know as a teacher i learned early on when i was teaching math from the very beginning that the starting point had to be connecting each student to to engage each student's interest and the way you engage students' interest is by having them understand and realize and discover, wow, this is really relevant to me and meaningful, and I want to know this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as John Dewey said, you don't use trickery. You don't need to use trickery. Mm-hmm. to mo- You don't motivate students. So teachers think, how do I motivate a student? No. How do I find a way to, to have the student tap their own interest and and that will motivate them mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, so when you whether it's a history class or whatever kind of class when you start again with what are the learning objectives here whether it be the learning objective is problem solving or the learning objective is Chinese history how do we how do we structure it the learning in the form of a real problem that each student will care deeply about. Mm -hmm. And tons of different ways to do that. And every time I work with an educator, there's a lot of conversation and questions I ask before. There isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. You wouldn't, if you're trying to teach Chinese history, look for real business problems. You'd look for real things of other sorts so that along the way they will have to in order to solve this problem they're going to care deeply to solve and that's a very broad term they're going to have to learn Chinese history in order to solve it well Mm -hmm. and so that's where the expectations and how you set it up and so this isn't a throw a problem in the room leave and come back three weeks later and see what they come up with Mm -hmm. which is what I you know I've talked to you about this a lot I I get very frustrated as project-based learning becomes this growing movement that as with anything they're all different flavors and there's all different levels of quality and I'm not suggesting one is better than the other but um, if we're going to really change the way school works, um, we're not talking about uh, it, we're not talking about making the learning uh, less substantive or uh, having lo- or- lower mm-hmm. expectations. What we're talking about is different mm-hmm. um, learning. So the real problems do that. They 
they they're the vehicle to well multiple vehicles but the, it's the it's a number one a way for this the student to work on something that's relevant and meaningful so they're all in it also is the best way for students really to develop those transformative skills and to learn knowledge really hard stuff learn how they learn really hard stuff best because they have a goal and they're using all these things uh, they have to use these things in order to solve the problem they want to solve mm-hmm. uh, in order to be successful the other thing they are going to have to learn which is real world stuff is they almost immediately when they connect and engage with wow how much yeah what what, how am I going to actually solve this? Or how are we going to solve this? They realize that once they've really understood what the problem is, once they've really understood what the problem is uh, and why it matters and what solving it might mean, they immediately realize, I've got to inventory what resources I have available to me to solve it. They don't have an answer with an example Okay, we're not just changing the numbers. They don't have a text that has everything in that chapter. You just have to memorize it and then you're good for the test. They're solving a problem that is, uh, whoa. Uh, Pretty ambiguous and yeah, nuanced, the CEO doesn't. We don't know, like, I don't even, what do I even use to solve? Not just techniques, but what information matters. There's, the problem is not that there isn't enough information out there. It's knowing which information matters most when and how, right? Absolutely. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, I've been in schools for many, many years. And there was, you know, the, there, you can go into, it's, it's less so now, but there was a stretch where it was all about using technology for technology's sake. So you, teacher, mm-hmm. you, thou shalt use technology in your classroom. There was a time, right, when mm-hmm. technology was fairly new and fairly new in schools. Thou shalt use it and tell us how you're using it. And, of course, the real, it, all these things are tools, right? right and uh, technology as religion is not the goal. The goal is... Um, the goal is here's what we want the learning to be and and how are you going to use technology to to help in making that learning happen and by the way you can't get away from it technology's the 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 way to solve problems right mm-hmm. it's the vehicle for so anyway um so so very quickly, when students have internalized, okay, this is the problem. This is what we're trying to solve. And it matters a lot to me to solve it. They're going to roll up their sleeves with their teammates and themselves and say, okay, what, what are the resources we have around us to solve it? And there's, of course, online research. And there are teachers you can go to and ask, what should my next thing be? And we're frustrating to them because we, <laughs> we answer their questions with code. But they're looking at the resources. And the minute they start into their research, even just online research, they start, they start, develop, they start realizing there are, there are resources out there in the form of organizations and people mm-hmm. who have information I need 
to solve this problem. And they, as every one of us has experienced, right, there, there are different ways to get at that. And they have to find out, who do I need to talk to most? How do I, what do I need to find out from them? And how do I engage, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. And so research and problem solving involve a lot of different organizations and people. Mm-hmm. And um, so what naturally happens in solving a problem that is a real business problem locally in Cleveland, the startup, is they are, before you know it, interacting all over the place with organizations and people throughout Cleveland and then throughout the country and sometimes throughout the world because they get to a place where, okay, I need to find out, uh, you know, Rust Belt Reclamation. I need to find out exactly what the process is for deciding which, you know, which houses get demolished where there's woodwork. I don't know what it Mm is. Um, So they, they have to find stuff out that they can't find out from their textbook or from their teacher. So when, when one of the things that you notice when you come in and observe this program or any of the programs that we've done or any of the others we've worked with who've developed their programs is you can't do this without the students inevitably making connections with their community, whatever that community is. Sure. And they learn crazy powerful stuff from that. One of the things they learn, by the way, as an aside, is how do you get someone to talk to you? Okay, they experience what the rest of us experience. They're mm-hmm. all they're these there's somebody, boy, I'd really love to talk to that person. They're the expert in this and that is what I most need. And they try everything they know how and we give them approaches and ideas how to get that person's attention and get feedback. But we say, you have a deadline. Assume you're not not going to hear back from them. Um, Move on. And out of the crazy numbers of organizations and people they reach out to in the course of the three weeks of problem solving, there's only a small fraction, a very small fraction in most cases, that they ever connect with. But those connections, when they make them, are crazy powerful learning experiences mm-hmm. or when they get themselves out of the building because they actually go downtown to talk to someone in the community center instead of sitting in the classroom the four of them we know this right mm-hmm. and spending an hour uh making assumptions yeah like oh i bet blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. and what do we say we say why don't instead of you guys you four students who have no clue and no experience <laughs> sitting and trying to like Go talk to somebody. Right. But what? who do we talk? What if they don't have time for it? Should we call them ahead? We tried to call. We got noise. Go down there. Do you think there's somebody maybe who will talk? You know, they, they learn these things. We do things like bring people in when um, there's something specific that's important for the students to learn. And there's somebody who we have in our little, we built up over the years, an inventory of people who want to help support the students and the mm-hmm. program who will bring in and say, okay, I need you to do a workshop to teach students how to do evaluation. 
And, you know, you saw Sam and Sam is expert at this. He gets that this isn't him coming in and doing a lecture. He leads the students through something um, in an hour so that they get their, you know, they start Mm -hmm. learning this stuff. We have mentors in the final portion of the class that we assign to each team when they're taking a problem they care about and building their own business model uh, to solve it in the span of four weeks. We, for that part of it only, we assign each team a mentor. That's a very important thing. Um, It's very important for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that happens with that is they have this mentor. This mentor is not an educator, somebody out in the working world who has tons of experience working with businesses and Mm -hmm. startups. And um, when the students are trying to create a business model to solve a problem and they're coming up with something that's absolutely crazy or laughable or they're (laughs) trying to figure out who do I even talk to, um, the mentor is like, hey, like that's not going to work. Forget that. And um, have you thought about asking so-and-so? And And it's a a slice for those students of interaction with someone very seasoned out in the working world that they would never normally get mm-hmm. where they're actually working on something together. Mm-hmm. They would never get that until they're well out of college. And it's really eye opening. Mm-hmm. And now along the way, we're, we're working with the mentors. We do an orientation right. where we give them some boundaries mm-hmm. because just like yourself as an instructor, mm-hmm. if the mentor goes in and solves it for them, the whole yeah, it's, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we also aren't training them up to be full-on educators, so there's a place. And right. so we have to orient the mentors. And then at the same time, as you know, we're also talking to the student teams when the mentors aren't there. But the fact that, okay, you're, you're trying to build a business model to solve your problem. Nobody, it's your, nobody knows the right way to do it because uh, it hasn't been done before. And it's your problem to solve. And you, you now have not only your instructors who throw questions at you, <laughs> guide you, whatever. Uh, you now have this mentor. And none of us know the right answer. So as I always say when I come into a team and they say, hey, will you help me or will you help us? Here's what we're <laughs> thinking. What do you think? I always say, okay, do you really want to hear what I think? Yes. Oh, yes, we really want to hear. And I'll say, all right. But I'm going to preface like I always do. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you, a bunch of questions that are on my mind after hearing this. And when I leave, you can consider every question I asked and think about it. And you are free to reject any of it. Mm -hmm. And the same is true with the mentor. The mentor may say, actually, guys, I think that's bunk. And here's my question. What about this? And unless you process and agree, oh, based on what he or she said, yes, this is bunk, we should go the other route. If you process what he or she said, and you think, no, actually, we still don't think it's bunk. We still want to go that way and not this way. Mm-hmm. That's going to be up to you. But the whole class, is real. getting back to why we use real problems, is all about this stuff. They're going to be using resources. They're going to be connecting with their community. They're going to be working in the course of the four or five months of this class with so many different people from so many different worlds in so many different conversations with so many different perspectives. And it's eye-opening. Talk about a way to 
have a student really develop a deep-rooted open-mindedness, a really deep-rooted understanding of the fact that in most of life, there's not a right and a wrong. In most of life, there isn't, here's the right answer to that, and you get 100%. There are different perspectives. Um, When we, at the end of the class, talk about when you form your team, you're at the you're you're you know the first three problems we set up their teams so that each student will be on entirely different teams because teaming and collaboration is such a huge part of the curriculum and learning mm-hmm. and we want them to have very different teams to right. have to deal with different personalities different dynamics because it's really important to their learning mm-hmm. when we go into the final where they form their own teams and we say to them all right Uh, what matters to you when you're thinking about forming your team? And they say, I want really different people. I don't need somebody who thinks like I do. I need somebody da-da-da. Okay, we don't use the word diversity necessarily. We don't hit it on the head explicitly. We don't need to. They have such an appreciation Mm -hmm. for what it is how powerfully, hugely important it is and actually critical to their success it is that they have many different people with completely different strengths and different opinions and backgrounds as part of their mix, whether on their team or that they're talking to. They get that, and that is a huge part of the learning. The other thing I wanted to say is, you know, I've worked with, and I'm working with a lot of educators who aren't at a Hawken. You know, someone who's in a very re- remote rural part of South Carolina, in a public school that's no resources, the kids don't have technology, they don't have access to much technology, they don't have, they're not in a city, they don't have an alum community of successful business. So, and you know what? They formed a program. Where they're and in this case it is an entrepreneurship class, but they're the, the teacher I'm working with has formed has developed an entrepreneurship class where the students are working on real problems and there are ways for her to construct those, to bring those in, to find those easily mm-hmm. that the students care deeply about. And there are ways they will find a way, those students, to tap resources outside the school to connect with resources outside the school, they will find a way because they live in a world where technology allows everybody to do that. It's crazy empowering. So they will find a way, and they do. Some number of them have cell phones. Some number of them have at home a computer. There are some computers in the tech center library. There's always some way, and they connect with people externally. And that's a massively powerful part of the learning in the in the class and that all comes from real problems thanks for listening to this episode of do school better we would love to hear from you so please leave us a comment or a review and if you're interested in learning more check out wildfire-education.org